There's some number of bottles with some brown stuff in them, so I'm not sure. Probably not moonshine. I don't think they'd waste the moonshine on me. And for, I don't know what, four and a half, five hours uh, inside of that stadium, man, it was absolutely electric. Um, our fans showed out in, in, in a great way. It's, uh, I'm gonna be honest, man, that's why I wanted to be here. Um, because I believe in the power of the T. I believe in, in this university, believe in this athletic department. And I believe in, in uh, this fan base, man. And uh, tonight was a great showcase of that. Can a defensive player win the Heisman? And you've got so many good ones. Is there one that you all could promote? You know, I don't, I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I, I would probably have said before the season that's impossible because statistics lead you to believe that it's always going to be an offensive player. We don't really care. We let you guys decide that. And uh, I respect it, but it's not something that we look for. And I'll be honest with you, the guys on our team are so bought into their roles. And as long as they do that, we'll keep getting better. We had a play call. We called timeout. We changed play. <laughs> Did you see something you didn't like? Or? <laughs> you want to know the truth? I'm yeah. not going to tell you the truth. I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. Again, two questions. Who's your quarterback moving forward, and uh, how do you explain that run defense? Yeah, uh, those are two really good questions. Uh, no, it was, it was horrible communication, I would say, is what I, how I would evaluate what that was. I mean, it's it's a nice way to put it, and I'm sure that if you you know wrote it that way in the article that they'd appreciate it, but that's, uh, I can't say that that's 100% factually correct. You know, I'm trying to establish uh, a culture, I'm trying to recruit great players, and we can't skip steps. And I would have liked to, and I thought maybe we could have, and maybe I got the fan base too excited um, and, and thought maybe we could skip that step. But we can't. We can't skip a step. Oh, welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Balls on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy. How the hell are you? Oh, man, I'm not doing too well either. Mm. And you, you could probably tell mm. by this ridiculous, ridiculous wig I got on my head. <laughs> this is what I wore to the game. I got my popcorn here for Lane Kiffin. <laughs> and, man, alive, do we have us a night there on Rocky Top. How about it, brother? Oh, Mike, you know, I, I'm i trying to be positive. You guys know me, positive Shane, never got a bad thing to say, but I can't shake this one off, man. I'm watching the video the next day, next morning. I don't know why I'm watching. You know, my daughter, we went to the game, as you know, was there with Mike, got my family up there, uh, had a nice celebration. My brother flew in. This was a big event for us, man. And uh, golly, Mike, I have never seen a, great, a game – this damn crazy in my life from start to finish. It's almost like we, I told you, man, you wore them wigs. You wore that pot. I said, you need to burn that shit after the, <laughs> after this pod. I don't ever want to see it again because this guy's a bad mojo on it, Mike. <laughs> and I'm going to be real with you. I'm being real with the fans. I don't, I don't like to lie. I like to be honest. Um, I didn't get to watch all the games. Um, that's something I like to do. I record all of them. I like to make sure I got a, you know, start to finish feel on how all these teams, I didn't get to all of them. Mm -hmm. So, uh, bear with me later in the week. I'll, I'll 
have a little, you know, a little better thought. But I'm telling you, Mike, I just didn't, I didn't want to get on social media. I didn't want to hear the world tell me I should apologize about throwing shit, even though I didn't. You know, I didn't want to hear none of that. I just, every time I get on, I got mad. I got, I, 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 I haven't got to vent since the football game. And that's what this is. We didn't do an emergency pod. I know Coach O got fired. I know there's a whole bunch of stuff going on in the world. But in the world of Shane, man, I am hot. I am I am still pissed off about this game. Sorry. Yeah, we got to start right there, brother. So we'll just do it that way. Ole Miss 31, Tennessee 26. And I I can be a witness. Cousin Jonathan can also be a witness. Shane, despite any rumors you may have heard, did not throw a single thing onto the not field. None of us did, even though I was a pretty hammered drunk. But I, I'm not, I wasn't that drunk to be throwing stuff. But, man, what a wild game we had there on Rocky Top. And, you know, there's so many things to cover, Shane. The officiating was poor. I don't like to blame losses on the officials, even though they were god-awful. My main takeaway, and I hate to even have to start with this, Shane, because it was a terrific game. But, my God, we got to do something about these fake injuries. And it's Ugh. not all on Ole Miss, even though they had about six, seven, eight of them in Tennessee. Tennessee got in on it, too. They had two or three mm-hmm. clear. And, again, I'm not saying that was the, the difference in the game, but what in the hell's the point of running these offenses if uh, defensive players are, are falling down left and right? And, yeah. again, I'm not sitting here saying that every single injury in that game was fake. I mean, obviously, Hendon Hooker got hurt, and, and he wasn't able to finish, and – and that may have affected the outcome of the game, but there were clearly defenders for both teams that would go down and then a play later, they're back on the field. And and they were down for about seven minutes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like it's ridiculous. It There's got to be something done about this. And, and this is two Ole Miss opponents in a row that are calling out these fake injuries. I mean, this, this is ridiculous. Uh, a lot of injuries tonight. Um, what do you make of that? That was a two-part question. So we were heavily injured coming into the game, um, especially offensively. I mean, I really do not remember something like this except for sanctions at USC, the lack of depth on offense at skilled positions that we had today. And you saw guys playing a lot of snaps and wearing down and not even necessarily household names that you're used to. So, um, and there were just, it was a high play count game and there were a lot of injuries both sides. So, I mean, the fans boo when it's us, but they had a lot of injuries too. So just a really high play count game. Josh, this was a four hour, 33 minute game. And a lot of it was injury timeouts. Have you ever seen that many number of bodies on the ground? Is there anything that can, can be done about some of those situations? Yeah. I'm- I, you know, the rules committee looks at that during every off season, you know, so I, I don't know, you know, I'm the, I'm the wrong guy to ask about how that, how we change that. Exactly. And it's the same, it's, it, it's not new players either. It's typically the same players going down. What's uh, number 44? I can't think of the guy's name. Campbell. But his damn, yeah, his damn wrist must be, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how he got – I don't know how his hand stayed attached to his body because many times that thing got broke off during this game. So, mm-hmm. yeah, my, I, I'm telling you, there's a whole bunch of things to unravel from this game. If you didn't get to watch it, you 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 should have because it was electric. It was from start to finish. It was, a, it was just a great football game. But then 
through this whole thing, you had these fake injuries. These, I mean, could you imagine, Mike, being at work and just all of a sudden faking an injury, just laying down on the ground? I'd look like a fucking <laughs> idiot. You know what I'm saying? That's what these kids look like, and they're being taught this. It doesn't It doesn't carry over to the NFL for a reason. Mm-hmm. This is turning – I saw somebody quote, this is turning into soccer. That's exactly what college football is starting to look like. You know, we've got to do something. I, I, I know we're not going to be able to change it midseason. I would rather you change the offense if you can't fix the injuries. If not, let these kids sit out for a couple of series. I, I saw a whole a whole slew of, of possibilities. But what the problem is, you're really going to hurt somebody later that does have an injury. You know what I'm saying? That's the yeah. whole point of this. And uh, it was super frustrating. You watch the game. The, the fans are there. We're experiencing this. Well, I, I've got you got to feel it. When it goes to commercial break, you got to. I mean, they do everything they can to keep these Vol fans pumped up. And you got these fake injuries, especially in the third quarter. There was one drive in particular. It was multiple, and it ended a Tennessee drive. It, it just we couldn't get back into rhythm. So I don't know if you want to call that good coaching, but it worked for Ole Miss and. And it gets frustrating as a fan that's just wanting to sit there and be entertained, and you're not. You're you're getting pissed off, and you're, the, the blood was boiling in a lot of fans. Yeah, there was some idiots that threw some stuff on the field, and I'm not going to make you apologize. we got a Tennessee fan base that has been shit on for 20 years, you know. It just it, – it, we – we're a frustrated fan base. And then here we are in a competitive match with the top 15 team and going toe-to-toe with them, and we can't actually compete because the refs keep getting involved and the stupid fake injuries keep getting involved. It was just – it was – I get it. I understand why people want – I mean, I wasn't super drunk. I had my kids with me, so I wanted to be, you know, be as sober as possible during this thing. But there was a time I just – I could get it. I could get how a fan can get that upset they want to throw shit on the field because I – I was that frustrated myself. Yeah, I can attest. I was the only drunken idiot among our group, brother. I was at halftime, double fisting those tall boys coming back. Oh, man, it was a great time for me. Uh, and I just enjoyed, uh, you know, the competitive nature of the football game. Hell, we've been talking here nearly eight minutes, Shane. We haven't even mentioned much of the action on the field. How about Matt Corral? If you would have told me going into this one, 200 yards, Rushing, I mean, my God, I would Jeez. I would have wondered how many overtimes this thing went into. I mean, that was, uh, you know, essentially the story of the game for the Ole Miss offense, just time and time again. Matt Corral, they leaned on him and his legs to move the chains, and it worked time and time again. That was uh, the biggest issue for Tennessee all well, night long. Let me say that, you know, there's a lot of people talking still about Matt being a Heisman. When I think about a Heisman candidate, I think about somebody that just puts the team on their back and mm-hmm. doesn't. There was so many drops. Ole Miss really could have ran away with this thing if they didn't have receivers dropping the ball. I mean, there was a couple of just boneheaded touchdowns that they could have had. But Matt put this damn team on his back, and like you said, he ran for 200 yards, and it wasn't like we weren't trying to prevent it. But it was almost it was almost comical. Third and five, third and six. Well, I mean, everybody in that entire stadium knew exactly how that first down was going to be gained. So uh, you just couldn't do it. I mean, there just wasn't. I will tell you, I was a little frustrated in that side. In fact, you you thought there'd be a little bit more quarterback spy, a little bit more cornerback blitzes, something like that. Um, and I think we we played it well toward the end of the game, but mm-hmm. it was just too much. To, I mean, he kudos to Matt. He he is he. Well, how's he health wise? I know he got banged up there at the end. Yeah, I think he's going to be all right based on uh, everything I'm hearing and his comments in the post game 
pressers, but uh, you know they were more worried about golf balls and beer cans and all that hitting them. But uh, yes, Damn. so it, he'll be just all right with that. But you know, and then kicking over to Tennessee side chain. I mean, I think the one thing that's being overlooked from all the tennis these angry Tennessee fans is the fact that uh, Tennessee's offense really got slowed down in the first half. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, until that final drive there, they got the field goal right before half. That was basically most of the momentum they had in the first half. I know they had the touchdown pass, but the second half I thought dominated by Tennessee. And the only thing keeping Ole Miss defense alive was all these fake damn injuries. But what, yeah. a, what a gutty performance by Hendon Hooker. Uh, he – you know, brought the team back himself, kind of doing whatever he had to do. And, you know, there at the, at the end, I know there was uh, the 20-minute delay and all that, but really felt like Tennessee had an opportunity to win the game. That was probably the most perplexing thing to me with all the damn tossing of shit. I mean, you got three timeouts on the board. All you got to do is stop Ole Miss and you can win this game. It almost came down to it. But, of course, Hendon Hooker got injured. Joe Milton just, oh my God, the guy that overthrows everything, just barely overthrew the what would have been a game-winning touchdown pass. Yeah. And then runs out of bounds, Shane. Oh, my, oh my God. Oh, my God. I think I hate to do this to anybody, Shane, and I hate to even bring this guy's name up because I know you're already in a bad mood. I'm not trying to make you any more in a bad <laughs> mood. But, I mean, Joe Milton is reached into Jarrett Garantano. Oh, territory man. I, with, with you, that one. You, know you see the tweet I sent out there? I was, I, was like, I, I, I was convinced. Last night, I couldn't go to bed. I was just – I'd peek at Twitter. I'd get mad. I'd turn my phone off, and then I'd act like I'm going to sleep, and I'd sit there, God bless America. i got to get on there, and then I'd get back on, and I'm sitting – I'm just like, you know what? I think in that last play, that last situation, it blows my mind that Joe the R. Milton – I mean, from day one, I mean, if he's he's throwing everywhere, he's throwing footballs, he's throwing baseballs. This guy loves to throw things, and he runs on the last play, three seconds left. It's just like I don't care if you throw it to ten old Miss defenders, just give them a shot. You're not, you ain't got legs like that. Right. You, it's just I don't understand. I didn't under because this this game, the thing that drove me nuts about the Tennessee game, it was like. It was like three different things. The first part of the game, it was we couldn't stop Matt Corral and the refs. That was like the thing. So and the fake injury. So that you bottle all that up. Then you got the stuff being thrown in the field. So then that's frustrating. Cause again, I got my kid there. I don't want I got I didn't get hit with a can or anything like that, but there was beer thrown on me. I mean, uh, people down toward the bottom. I mean, these guys are launching water bottles, full water bottles from the top deck. I mean, I felt I felt bad because you were hitting a lot of our fans. Right. I don't want you to hit anybody, but, I mean, there was old people. There was kids there. It was just – so then there was that. And then the tail end, it comes down to an actual ball game, and you couldn't believe it. We had that fantastic kick return. We get to the 50-yard line. We move the ball, and then our quarterback gets hurt. Oh, my God. Hooker getting hurt. I was like, oh, no, we suck again, you know, and then <laughs> – here comes Milton. We even chant for this guy. Well, at least he's going to throw the ball because that's what he loves to do. He gets out there. He barely misses the guy. I didn't realize how close it was. It's kind of hard to tell with that jumbotron. But as I was watching the replay, it's like, damn. I mean, we're talking inches. Almost scored a touchdown, won the game. Mm -hmm. And then the last play, three seconds, you got to throw the ball. And he not only does he run, he runs out of bounds. It's like the worst. Oh, man. I was walking back to the truck, and I was just – I couldn't believe it. I'm, I'm walking there by the river. I thought, 
thought about jumping in a few times, and then I said, no. I said, we're going to bounce back. We got this, Mike. And then I'm sitting there, and I'm talking to a couple of guys, and I was like, I can't believe he didn't just throw the damn ball. So, anyway, I mean, I could talk this game all day. I, in fact, I, again, I, I got a lot of people reaching out to me. Mm-hmm. Mike, uh, a lot of a lot of other SEC players, uh, fans, you know, and I appreciate the support. Got a lot of Ole Miss guys telling me, well, that call was right, man, you know. I was like, is it? I don't, I, you know, if you think about it, let's flip flip the page here. Let's say the calls went Tennessee's way. You'd be on that damn Twitter saying the same <laughs> damn thing that Tennessee got away with one. So I don't want to hear what I need to be thinking because right now how I feel, I feel the ref screwed us. I feel the fake injuries screwed us. I feel like our fans screwed us by throwing all this stuff on the field. And then at the end, I think our, our backup quarterback screwed us. So everybody screwed us. It's probably my fault. But anyway, <laughs> I just want to get it off my chest. Thanks for letting me vent. <laughs> yeah, and I don't – we hadn't even mentioned the uh, – remember in the first half, Matt Corral fumble. It was a touchdown, Tennessee. Oh, they, God, they, Mike. They called, Jeez, they called that doing? off the board. And one last one last dagger, Shane, to make this full circle. Mm. The same referee crew that called the Mississippi State Memphis game with all the uh, blown calls and the SEC, you know, had no. had to issue a statement saying they screwed Mississippi State twice. Same crew as Tennessee Ole Miss. So I don't know what in the hell these these Jeez. why these guys are still getting uh, the opportunity to call these games. And again, I'm not sitting sitting here saying the refs you know, cost Tennessee the football game because I think they had plenty of opportunities to win it. And, and hell, they <laughs> the quarterback ran out of bounds. <laughs> God. Oh, Mike. All right. Um, I thank you. I'm over it. But it was it, it was almost, man, I got it recording. I'm, I, I've debated on putting it on Twitter there. I'm watching. I went ahead and recorded because I had faith that Milton was going to get the ball to the end zone and we were going to win this game. And there was like 30% of the fans left because everybody else left, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say, damn, could you imagine walking to your truck and all of a sudden you hear fireworks and you're like, what the hell just <laughs> happened in Neyland, you know? <laughs> I thought we were going to see. It's like midnight, you know. Everybody's went to bed. I mean, I'm even pissed off because I got the DVR thing and I even did the 30-minute extension. Guess what? I missed half the game because it was so long. But anyway – yeah, it is what it is, Mike. Um, you know, it was almost an epic game, and it and it is an epic game. If you're an Ole Miss fan, you'll always remember this. There was plenty of Ole Miss fans in the crowd. Uh, we heard plenty of them around us. You know, there that I mean, we knew somebody was going to be hurt leaving that game. You know, mm-hmm. just unfortunately, it was Tennessee. Lane, what do you say to your team during that delay? And just kind of, what was your reaction to everything that was happening in that 20 minute salvage? I just wanted to play. I mean, the players got helmets. It's the coaches that are going to get hit. Like, I still have my souvenir golf ball that I got hit with. But so, I mean, I just said, put the helmets on, let's play. And really, the Tennessee people, you know, were really down there on the field, were taking care of us. Um, I think David Elliott, you know, like, was over there. We're worried more about the players than anything else, even the Tennessee people. So that was really, really cool to see that part of it. There's some number of bottles with some brown stuff in them, so I'm not sure. Probably not moonshine. I don't think they'd waste the moonshine on me. Yeah, Coach, you mentioned your defense. Um... I, I think that's one of the most passionate fan bases in America, and you got a hundred thousand of them together, and things don't go their way when all that energy's going, and you know they got upset. I don't know. 
if it was I don't I'm not sure it wasn't partly at the refs too because they replay the play and I think they're watching his other hand thinking they had a first down so it is what it is Coach, you mentioned how Matt Corral he put, the, put the team on his back with his rushing ability. Uh, I'm curious, maybe heading into this game, the way Matt runs the ball at y'all say, hey, we're going to need you to slide more because you're, you know, you're basically like, you know, I'm a valuable player. And how, I guess, how do you coach him in that, you know, going forward, even though he has to be at well, we've tried that, and actually Matt did it early. He actually slid in the open field, and I think then it got competitive, and, you know, he lost, you know, Braylon early, um, you know, to an injury, and I think he just kind of felt like, hey, this ain't going to be a slide game. He's going to have to do a lot on his own, which is what he did. And, you know, I've said it before. I hope our fans appreciate this guy. I hope every home game is a sellout because you ain't got many times left to see this guy, and he is a special, special player. Josh, I don't want to put you in a situation where you're talking about officials, but did you get any kind of explanation on some of those calls, Tyler's call, the, the, obviously the play to Jacob? I know there's a couple of times where you know you wanted them to measure and they just moved the chains on. And, I mean, did, were you getting any explanation about any of that stuff? I occasionally did. Um, you know, Tyler's play, uh, talked to him and said that uh, forward progress had been stopped, not a reviewable re play. Um, you know, the spot was looked at, I guess, and, and uh, that was the decision that they, they came to. So um, on some of the chains just being moved, talked to them, um, didn't really get an explanation on it. Coach, the, the atmosphere tonight, all afternoon, what does that make you feel about the future of this program, the potential that things are in place here for you to get what you want to do? Yeah, um, I, I think it's been built by our players uh, that there's enthusiasm, excitement, and, and belief in, in uh, the progress that our players are making on the field. Um, proud of them for, for being a part of, of or building that. Um, we're just starting, um, you know, th this journey together and, and uh, uh, proud of what we've done. Man, our fan base is, is passionate and cares. Uh, they're prideful, just like our players are. Uh, tonight was uh, a showcase of, of what Vol Nation is really all about. Um, you know, I mean, you come down, make a turn towards Gate 21, man, and, and it was as deep as you could see uh, when, when you get down there during Vol Walk, man. It was phenomenal, that the atmosphere that was created. And for, I don't know what, four and a half, five hours uh, inside of that stadium, man, it was absolutely electric. Um, our fans showed out in, in, in a great way. It's, uh, I'm going to be honest, man, that's why I wanted to be here um, because I believe in the power of the T. I believe in, in this university, believe in this athletic department, and I believe in, in uh, this fan base, man. And uh, tonight was a great showcase of that. Josh, when you look at your football team and all the players that are out and missing, guys just keep stepping up and kind of chipping away at it. I mean, defensively, you all give up seven in the second half. Um, just what's that say about this group of kids, the, the buy-in? I mean, literally, I mean, you're going to the fourth stringers at times, and they're still able to muster up enough. To yeah, we were probably the thinnest football team in America when we started. Um, we got way more guys injured than, uh, than you would want. But, man, the, the fight, the competitive spirit inside of our locker room, um, the want to play for, for the guy next to you uh, because you love him and, uh, you know, are willing to do anything. We're growing and developing the right way, man. And, uh, you know, th those pillars inside of our program, we keep, bu keep building upon those. Uh, we're going to have a chance to, to have a really special program here. 
All right, Shane. Well, let me ask you real quick uh, about Coach O. I mean, because I think we uh, we, mm. we all anticipated this news would come eventually, but yeah. it, it comes after an LSU big win over Florida, three in a row. They've beaten the Florida Gators forty-nine to forty-two, and LSU just ran all over Todd Grantham's defense. But you know, I already put out the uh, emergency podcast on Coach O. If you missed that, I, I put that out on Sunday. We got a video and audio version of that, so. Go check it out if you missed that. But just wanted to get your reaction, Shane, because we got Coach O out here. He's going to get his full buyout. Sounds like it's going to be around $17 million. He says he's going to coach throughout the end of the season, including a bowl game. He's he's still recruiting. Hell, he said he's met with two recruits here on Sunday, the day they found out they're moving on from him. But at the end of the day, I know LSU fans very frustrated with where their program's trending, but – I think they're lucky that they got Coach O'Shane because they got a national championship out of it. They got a guy right. that, you know, he made his mistakes, and that's why we're moving on. But at the end of the day, he loves LSU. And, hell, I mean, how many other coaches, Shane, when you find out, hey, in five games you're done, how many of them would sit here with a smile on their face and say, I get to be the coach for five more games, mm-hmm. and I'm going to work my ass off to win all five of them. I think the vast majority of these coaches, not only uh, in in the SEC but around the country, you know, with the exception of a handful, would say, you know, you go to hell. I'm if if you're get if you're moving on from me, I'm I'm leaving. Yeah, you know, this is a it's a bittersweet, uh, I guess, story. When you think of Coach O, this was his dream job, man. Right. You know, I think he would have done it for free. I really do. He he loves LSU. Um, we wanted it for him. I know that. I know a lot of fans down there did. They they probably thought they could have gotten a better coach. But look, man, I mean, you had a couple bad years with him, but you also have a national championship. There's a lot of teams that are in the SEC that don't have that or don't have that recently and would love to it, would give up a few bad years just to have that opportunity. So, you know, Coach O orchestrated that. Say what you want. Um, he may not be – the best coach, you know, if you're looking at, I don't know, attributes or something like that or or just his track record. But he got you a championship game. He loves his program. And uh, I hate it. I hate it for him. I mean, I, I've always, always secretly pulled for Coach O. But, you know, the fact of the matter is LSU is a storied program. And, and you look at some of these programs in the country that, that – I mean, you could fall out of graces quick, man. Uh, look at look at me, man. 1998. How many times are we going to talk about 98 and how great we were and all this stuff? We're bitching and moaning because we had two losses during the year. <laughs> it's like, we can't handle that anymore. We got to get another coach in here and win this championship. But you could see – you could – you could fall off the face of the earth, and then LSU's not a storied program. It's not a hot commodity. LSU still has some a pull, man. They can get any coach that they want to come down there. But the longer that you struggle, the harder it is. And I think that's the key. They wanted to make this move early. Uh, kind of surprises me that it's after a victory. But yeah. um, And it surprised me that Coach O's going to stick around. I, I think that's the big one. I mean, that just, again, shows you how much this means to him. You know, he's going he's gonna to cherish – Every day from here till they eventually box up his shit and send him home. <laughs> but, you know, that's that's Coach O and LSU, man. Yeah, it almost says to me, Shane, they thought they were going to get hammered just like we all did against Florida with so many players mm-hmm. out. They were ready. Hell, they just put out 19-page document on, on his contract and all the details of his termination. Mm-hmm. So they had this thing in their back pocket ready to go. 
I think they've probably got another coach lined up. And yeah. I think it'd be smart, Shane. I'm not saying I'm not saying you make a hire to get a player, but I think you call the Manning family and say, who's Arch want to play for? I mean, I think that's kind of what, yep. at this point, that's what you do because you got this homegrown five-star quarterback. Everybody's saying he's the, the next great Manning quarterback, can literally change the fortunes of your college football program. And a couple of years ago when LSU went to the national championship, Shane, he was trending towards LSU. Now LSU is not even on his damn radar. So that gives mm-hmm. you an idea of, of how far – you know how quickly things can change and they'd be wise again you don't make the coaching hire to, to appease a quarterback but yeah i think you certainly get input from his family who's sec royalty isn't it isn't it crazy though about i i i've never seen a recruit with this much weight coming out of high school mm-hmm. I, I mean i think i think in years past i mean there's been some big names clearly right. but i'm thinking of like like Sims in Texas or mm-hmm. uh, Mustang with Arkansas, you know, there's some of these guys that, that carried some weight, but nobody like Arch. I mean, the, it, it's almost as if when Arch enter, enters college, it doesn't matter. They're going to win three three national championships <laughs> all of a sudden. You know what I'm saying? I mean, right, that's right. a lot of weight and pressure to put on somebody, even a Manning at, at that. I mean, Eli had a lot of pressure coming into Ole Miss, and mm-hmm. I'm not saying he wasn't successful down there, but I'm, I'm definitely thinking the Ole Miss expected a little bit more when he signed. So, uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that's what this that's what it is, man. You got to have a good quarterback. You look at Ole Miss. Ole Miss is missing pieces, brother, but they're they're a hell of an offense because of Matt Corral. I truly believe it. Mm-hmm. So you get a good quarterback, it makes everybody around you better, but. Yeah, it looks like they just want to get an early start on it, don't it? (laughs) (laughs) And let me ask you this, Shane. So I'm not going to ask you any in-depth questions because, like you said, you haven't had time to watch the games. You were obviously at the game with me. But now Dan Mullen, two and six in his last Mm. eight games against Power 5 competition. And a lot of people wondering now, and again, you know, I I caution people, let's not fire everybody and put everybody on the hot seat. But it is pretty wild because the guy on the hottest seat was uh, Ed Ogeron going into the, the game. And, and, I mean, they outclassed the Gators. I mean, any concern there that Dan Mullen is losing support in Gainesville? Yeah, I I, I think so, brother. And uh, I, I don't want to say – man, boosters boosters are different in each at each university, you know. And there's, there's certain expectations when you take certain jobs in the SEC – and, you know, Dan's – I don't know. It just feels like he hasn't embraced that side. Coming into the season, we had high expectations for him. But, you know, you drop a game to Kentucky, you drop one to – and what's even worse, Mike, if, if you think about it, was is your quarterback play. Uh, here, here you got a lot of folks that are I, – I, you hear it. You see it on Twitter. You know, these a lot of rumblings on – why uh, why Anthony Richardson didn't just get this take this job? Everybody knows he's a he's a killer ap- athlete, you know. And I know he's made mistakes, but then there's some arguing. Well, if he had given the the reins earlier, maybe we would have this thing running by this time during the season. So there's all that speculation. I think of recently Kirby Smart with Justin Fields. You know, there was a mm-hmm. lot of people wondering why they didn't give Justin Fields the opportunity, and maybe they could have won some more ball games, but. 
I don't know. When you start doing that, when you got all these uh, Sunday, uh, what do they call them, Sunday quarterbacks, you know, just just picking your team apart because that's what Florida's going right now. They're they're picking it apart. They're saying we should be better, and this is why we're not. Is it the defensive coordinator? Is it Dan Mullen? Is it you know has he lost it? Is he wanting to go to the NFL? There's all this stuff. So, yeah, it would not surprise me. Of course, I've been saying this for a couple of years now. I just I've never felt like Dan wanted to be in Florida. But again, I mean, I'm just an outsider. You know what I'm saying? I, mm-hmm. I've never talked to him, never had that conversation. But uh, but damn, there's a lot of pressure. You drop to an LSU team, and I know that's crazy. You're thinking LSU, but what LSU has done this season has been disappointing. The fact, like you said, they limped into this ball game. The fact that Coach O got fired after this game. And you're the one that lost. So, I don't know, man. Where, where do they go from here? Yeah, and even after the game, Shane, Anthony Richardson, I can't believe oh, so, yeah. so, someone asked him this, but they they said, hey, you know, are you committed to Florida given the fact that, you know, you're not playing or not starting? And he would not even – he said he, he said he's a, he's a Gator for now. I mean, my goodness. Jeez. I mean, what an answer. And, again, uh, you know, he, he's not – well, I mean, he is kind of getting a little bit of that Arch Manning hype, but, uh, you know, he's the future of your program. And, and the future here is saying, well, I'm, I'm here for now. I don't know, man. That's got to make me uneasy as hell if I'm a Florida Gator fan. And, and can you just put, I mean, like the Gator fans put him at ease a little bit that, uh, I mean, here you are, you love the Gators, raised in Gainesville, but they're still probably still nervous that, like, you know, you're leaving one day or if it doesn't go your way, you're leaving, walking out the door. Is there any chance that happens? Oh, I I can't really speak on that. It's time. Time is the only thing I can tell. But right now I'm a Gator, so that's the only thing that matters. Absolutely, man. I mean, there was a lot of people like this in Florida when, you know, they didn't want to see Chris Leak as quarterback. They wanted Tim Tebow. So it's like they've been down this road before. They know in their mind they're thinking the backup. And, of course, you always do that. And I'm the worst at it, Mike. When we start losing, we're like, put the backup in, you know, until I saw the backup. And I'm like, hell no. <laughs> I'd rather have one-legged hooker out there than Milton. <laughs> but anyway, but I, I'm just saying the the Florida, it, it, it's it's they've been down this road. They've been – they're hurt right now, man. They're, they know that they should they should be I mean you should be going into this Florida Georgia game man like I don't know who's going to win and now it's like I don't know how many points Georgia's going to win by and we shouldn't be thinking that way because they do got a loaded roster but when you got your quarterback your future quarterback coming out saying I don't know you know who's paying attention to that recruits right I don't want to go play at a university if I don't know who the quarterback's going to be when I get there so that's the thing that you you worry about. You need to have the team coming out and saying and, and, and galvanized and, and you know the future's bright, but right now it just feels like they're reeling a little bit. Mm-hmm. All right, brother. Well, hey, I'm gonna let you go and rest up after this long weekend before I and I'll, on the other side I'll recap the rest of these games. But uh, any final thoughts here before you sign off from the weekend? Uh. Final thoughts, Mike. You know, I appreciate you letting me be in a little bit. Um, the listeners, I, I know you've been there. We've all had a tough <laughs> loss. And Shane had a big one this week. I mean, I, 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 I had all this stuff worked out. I even took my wife out for a nice birthday dinner. You know, it was just – it was going to be beautiful. And then it ended 
so bad <laughs> that I just want to act like this weekend didn't even happen. And even you guys, like you came in and it was just like, I couldn't find you at the end. I was like, you know what? Hell with them. I'm going back to the truck, you know? So I, I just, I'll be better tomorrow. Um, I just need to get that out of my system and uh, I'm going to watch all these games. Um, you know, cause I didn't want to, I didn't want to cheapen the product, man. You know, I could get on here and I could act like I, I seen every, or just watch the highlights and I don't like doing that. I like actually seeing the games and, uh, uh, giving you my, my true thoughts and opinions on things. So, mm-hmm. um, so I'll have that done next show. So, um, that being said, Mike, I guess that's, that's all I got, man. I got to get some rest cause I was up all night <laughs> oh, venting. So anyway, all right, I'm getting carried away again. All right, see you, man. Go Vols. Go Vols. Be sure to write your commissioner. (laughs) All right, so we touched on it a little bit there, but LSU, this was the the most surprising outcome of the weekend, in my opinion. I mean, hell, who had LSU winning this game? They damn near dominated it. Four interceptions caught by the Tigers in this game. And remember, they don't have any – of their starting defensive backs in the game. I mean, they had corners out. They had safeties out. This was uh, night and day different from the LSU Tigers we've seen through much of the season. And a lot of it had to do with this running attack. I mean, where has this been? I don't know. But uh, Coach Brad Davis and company got that offensive line playing out of their mind down there in Baton Rouge. Noon game, you think a snoozer. And, and like I said with Shane, I mean, this was – it seemed clear as day. LSU was getting ready to fire Coach O after a big loss. But, no, they dominated the game, made Dan Mullen and Todd Grantham look like two guys that didn't know what the hell they've been doing. And, and they've been coaching in the SEC for over a decade. So, I mean, this was – the and it, it basically was a counter play over and over and over. Ty Davis-Price – with an incredible performance for the LSU Tigers. He was a star of the game. The defense, again, the defensive backs were swarming, making uh, this passing attack. They put up a lot of yards, Florida did. This was night and day. I mean, the the final score is not indicative of what a beatdown this was for the LSU Tigers. Of course, there was the uh, fail Mary at the end of the first half. Florida converted a Hail Mary that uh, certainly looked to give the, the Gators some momentum going into the break. But in the second half, it was just more of the same. And finally, is this finally going to be the time where Anthony Richardson assumes a starting role? I mean, how can you watch this game and think that Emory Jones is still the better quarterback? Dan Bullitt's about the only one that still thinks that. So, And this was Anthony Richardson who got banged up in the game. It looked like he broke one of his fingers in the game. Still out there gunning, slinging it, running. He was doing everything to get Florida into the game, but it was just too little, too late, because this LSU offense has gotten back to the ground game. And that was huge, and it led to basically the game-defining touchdown here, fourth and goal. It was almost a near disaster. I mean, it was this was one where had LSU got stuffed, or incomplete pass, you know, Coach O would have been raked over the coals. Instead, it was a, you know, nearly flawless walk-in touchdown with Max Johnson. Throws the touchdown there. LSU wins the game. I mean, this 
this is exactly the LSU we thought we were getting heading into the season, which makes it all the more strange that uh, Coach O being let go. But, you know, it makes sense given everything we've uh, come to learn and find out here in the in the days and weeks since Coach O and LSU lost to UCLA. It, you know, it was pretty much a, that was all she wrote at that point. And the Auburn game certainly sealed the deal. But, hey, credit the LSU Tigers for coming out here playing their guts out, three wins in a row over the Florida Gators. You cannot be happier if you're an LSU fan. You know, even in these bittersweet times, I mean, this is, like I said, there's never many sweeter wins than ones that are totally unexpected, and this was the stunner, I thought, this weekend in the SEC. Again, two questions. Who's your quarterback moving forward, and uh, how do you explain that run defense? Yeah, uh, those are two really good questions. Um, we're going to look at that. Obviously, going into a bye week, we're going to evaluate a lot of things. I thought, uh, you know, you saw some good things from both quarterbacks today. Uh, saw some 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 mistakes from both quarterbacks today. Uh, you know, and and so we'll, we'll evaluate that of how that's going to play out moving forward. You know, I mean, you can I can jump up and down on the table on some really good things they did and some jump them down on the table some some terrible mistakes that they both that we made so uh, we'll evaluate that part of it uh defensively same deal we're gonna we got to go back watch the film we'll evaluate you know i mean um you know we've been, been played some solid defense at times this year and obviously didn't in the second half of the game today you feel like they were motivated on defense yeah, I, I, I would. I, I thought our attitude was great. You know, I mean, I, uh, I thought we were into the game. Our guys were sitting out there. We had opportunities to make plays. Uh, dug ourselves into some holes during the course of the game uh, that you can't do, obviously, uh, when you're playing playing good teams. And um, you know, uh, we weren't able to. We we dug too big a hole, I think, to get out of there at the end. How does um, today's defense change your perspective on Todd Grant at all? Uh, you know, nothing changes my perspective on anything. I've, I'm, we're always evaluating things throughout the course of the season um, in everything that we do. Uh, it's, it's a long season. We're in the middle middle point of the season here going into our bye week. And, uh, you know, like I said, I'll evaluate what we did well, what we did poorly. We'll go look at the film and, and see how we can improve it, uh, you know, for two weeks from now. I mean, Dan, with all due respect, what am I missing here about Anthony Richardson? I, and and I, I really mean that respectfully because yeah. I'm sitting here watching this kid putting on his show. I did mean, some, he did some, did some, I don't know the stats in front of me. I thought he did some really good things. Like you see, he had the ability to extend some plays, uh, made some good throws, got hot today. Uh, you know, I did a really good job. So we'll see that, you know, I mean, Hey Dan, um, you guys talk about the Gator standard. You're two and six in your last eight games mm -hmm. against Power Five teams. What mm -hmm. do you need to do to get back to that standard that you're talking? Yeah, about? we got to play better. We'll evaluate it all. Uh, we got to coach better, play better. You know, uh, look at our personnel. Make sure we're putting guys in the right position to make plays and get better. Yeah, Ed, with the with the running game, I mean, y'all started to have gains with that last week, but. Was there something over the last few weeks that really showed you that a performance like this was coming? You know, I, I felt that our offensive line had made – I told them they're the most improved group of all the team. I kept on showing things that them dominating in practice. I showed them again this week. Uh, you can see the stuff that Coach Davis is teaching them coming through. I thought Ty Davis-Price had ran with some confidence the week before. 
we had a we ran a counter gap play is what we ran most of the time. They were in bare defense, and our guys blocked it well, and, and we made some big plays. Yeah. Uh, I know you said many times in the past, it's never about you. This week, a lot of it was about you. But did you, did you know? Did you really block it out? And 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 also about your team. They had fewer players and fewer players, but you guys yeah. rallied. Sometimes this this works, doesn't it? For yeah. Team that, yeah. Then you just kind of rallied. You rally together and, 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 and make a stand, you know, despite all the odds. Well, I saw the uh, the guys that were going to step up in a starting role. I started. I saw them practicing more energy. Man, they were eager. They were in the office watching film. You know, it was just kind of a new energy about the football team. And on Thursday, I could feel that energy. I just felt really good. And uh, no, it's not about me. It's about this team. I got to give them the credit they won. And that, that call on the goal line, you know, to decide the game, I mean, that, that takes a lot of confidence. I guess walk us through what went into that call and what, what it's like watching that. No, we, we were going to run the football. We were running in, and uh, it was fourth and inches. And uh, Jake called a pass. He says, Coach, you want me to run? I said, no, it's your call. You call what you want. Great call. I thought Max did a good job of avoiding the pressure. It could have went the other way, but Max made a great play. But, of course, the big game, we've went so long, we haven't even touched on the biggest game this weekend in the SEC, mainly because it went exactly as we all thought it would be. The SEC East showdown in Athens, Georgia, takes care of Kentucky, 30-13. to 13. Kentucky covers with the back door the final seconds of the game. But, man, Georgia's who we thought they were. And as I watch this game, my main takeaway, you may think, well, no respect for Kentucky. I got more respect for Kentucky, believe it or not. I just think Georgia's that damn good. I mean, this defense is swarming. We have reached the point that I don't think Georgia is going to lose a game as long as they get up for all of them. Now, this is college football, and, it, you know, shocking things happen. Hell, just look at Florida LSU. But if Georgia, as long as they continue to show up, as long as they continue to play with an edge, no one's beating this team. And – that's not any breaking news. I mean, that's it's clear as day. They're the number one team in the country. Been saying that for weeks on end, but they just keep getting better. And Stetson Bennett, you know, I'm not trying to trash him because I, I'm not a big fan of doing stuff like that, but it does kind of baffle me, all these people. And, and it, hey, it's growing. More and more people saying, Stetson Bennett, you got to stick with him even when JT Daniels is back. I love what I'm seeing from Stetson. Don't get it, get me wrong. He is executing the game plan, and I think Todd Munkin is just calling, you know, fantastic games, getting Brock Bowers week in and week out. He knows he's got himself a rare talent. They're finding ways to get him the ball. Brock Bowers took over in this football game. He outscored Kentucky all by himself. Lad McConkey, the future New England Patriot receiver. By God, you know he's going to end up there with Bill Belichick. How <laughs> in the years to come, but he's making plays. Darnell Washington's making plays. This Georgia running attack, James Cook in the passing game. I mean, they are just hitting all the buttons against a Kentucky defense that, you know, no slouches of their own. They're one of the better units in the SEC, yet they stood almost no chance against these Georgia Bulldogs. And the story of the game first down, Georgia nine yards per first down attempt, Kentucky. Under three. I mean, that's the story of the game right there. And it all started with Georgia stuffing Kentucky's run game. Held them to a, a record three and out, at least this season for the Kentucky Wildcats. Made Will Levis beat him. And that's 
You know, that's what we thought going into the game. What did I say? Will Levis is going to have to carry the Kentucky Wildcats. And, hell, he had a pretty good game, but he was getting harassed all day. He's getting beaten and battered. Uh, Kentucky's blockers could not hold up. And as good as Will Levis played, I mean, he needed a Joe Burrow-type performance, and they didn't get anything close to that in this one. Kentucky, clearly the second-best team in the SEC East at this time. And again, I got more respect for Kentucky. They went down into Athens. They challenged the beast of the East, beast of the nation, in my opinion. And they didn't go quite toe-to-toe with them because no one can, but Hell, they looked a hell of a lot better than the Arkansas Razorbacks did in their attempt. So, hey, tip your cat to Mark Stoops and company, but they just got beaten by the better team in a hostile environment, and it is what it is. But these Georgia Bulldogs rolling into a matchup with the Florida Gators. They'll have two weeks to prepare while Dan Mullen and company picking up the pieces. I mean, this is, again, as long as Georgia doesn't overlook the Florida Gators, you got to love their odds in this one. And... Who knows? I mean, crazier things can happen, but Kirby can really, really tighten the screws, so to speak, on old Dan Mullen and his buddy Dan there in Gainesville. And I think the fact that uh, Georgia lost to Florida last season is going to give the Bulldogs all the motivation they need heading into that matchup. Yeah. Uh, Kirby, can a defensive player win the Heisman? And you've got so many good ones. Is there one that you all could promote? You know, I don't. I don't know the answer to that. I, I would probably have said before the season that's impossible because statistics lead you to believe that it's always going to be an offensive player um, in terms of numbers they put up. You know, I thought it was amazing last year that a receiver won it. I never thought that would happen again. I thought it would be a, a quarterback's world because that's the, the world we live in and play in. But I certainly think that when you look at the draft, people see it different. You know, like what is the Heisman? Is it the – the best college football players, the most dominant is the most valuable. You, you can go through all these different things in terms of uh, that, and we don't we don't really care. We let you guys decide that, and uh, I respect it, but it's not something that we look for. And I'll be honest with you, the guys on our team are so bought into their roles, and as long as they do that, we'll keep getting better. You know, my biggest fear is uh, guys worrying about things like that and, and not the total team success. What has uh, stood out to you about the – defense's performance over these first seven. I mean, it's so much, I mean, the numbers are kind of staggering when you go down the list, but what to you has stood out about this defense? The buy-in. You know, there's no selfishness. They buy in. Probably the other thing that stood out is the way they practice. Uh, my favorite part of the day is when you go into a meeting and all the kids start saying, give me a nugget, give me a nugget, coach, give me a nugget. They want Dan and Schumann and Muschamp and die and Trey Scott to give them a nugget. A nugget is a note that might help me in the game. You know, they boot to their left 10 more times than they boot to their right. That's a nugget. You know, I'm going to take that and I'm going to use that some kind of way to make me better. You know, when this player lines up here, this is the play that's coming. That's a nugget. And they, they embrace those nuggets. You know, there's a lot of college football teams that go in a meeting and it's like Charlie Brown and wah, 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 wah. We don't, we don't do that. We entertain. We play music. We, we challenge. We make guys stand up, talk. It's teaching. Now, Please don't mistake it for good players. We got good players. But those things combined uh, help, and I appreciate our staff, offense, defense, special teams, for the way they coach our players and teach our players. Kirby, y'all, <clears throat> y'all stopped Kentucky's run game today and forced them to be one-dimensional. How important was that for success on defense? Yeah, it's big. Anytime you control, control the line of scrimmage, you know, it's huge. I still don't know 
run stats because, again, we talk about this every week, but they, they throw the sacks in there. So in my mind, they ran the ball better than most people do against us. I'm not looking at 27 for 51. I'm looking at 27 for whatever the rush was. But uh, we did not give up explosive. We tackled well. I thought on these guys on the perimeter, when they spit that ball out to one, you better get two guys there because a one-on-one -on -one tackle with one is tough. We controlled him. You know, 50% of his touches this, so far this year were explosive plays. That's crazy. So that was big for us to limit that. Past couple of years have been able to run on them. I, I won't say easily, but, but better than most teams have. You know, what was the, the biggest difference to die, you think? And, and, you know, they've been able to continue Yeah, it, it, it was disappointing to not be effective at all in the run game. And uh, I think they have a lot to do with it. They are uh, as good as I've seen them in. in uh, and uh, you know they know we want to run the football, and we want to have that balance. And uh, they've got some they've got some different ma difference makers at, at all levels. So again, I think you have to credit them. And there's uh, things we need to do better that we can do better and will do better. Larry Vaughn. Hey Mark, your defense has been so good at not giving up big plays. I think Georgia had ten plays of twenty or more yards. Is that just you credit them or did you guys just not have a good day defensively? Both. Both. Um, or some plays like there's a couple early, um, well not early, second quarter. And uh, you know, they, this is you know with the type of explosive backs they have, if you if you're not precise then they're gonna they're gonna make you pay. And um, you know, we have one where we get one guy scraping a little too wide, wide a safety coming scot-free clean. Yusuf read it too fast almost, and they both end up in the same gap. Looks terrible and get a 20, 30-yard run when, in fact, it should be a, you know, two-yard gain. So that's on us. Uh, but again, there are so many things that they do well. I'm not trying to take away from that. Uh, but we were not very precise tonight. You, so. you mentioned earlier the, the you never know what's going to happen for the year in, in terms of scoring there. How much are you kind of thinking a little bit about you know what this team you know, can do, you know, win 10, 11 games and maybe still be in that conversation, you know, for our, the playoff? Our team knows that uh, we have a good football team. And, uh, you know, they we have to get back and have good practices. We can't get too far ahead of us. Um, on any given Saturday, crazy things happen. You know, it appeared to me that there were some different things going on today as well. I mean, this is college football. It's uh, chaos at times. And uh, we, have to, we have to concentrate on ourselves and uh, get rested a bit. But uh, I'm not going to lay off them too, too, too far, too hard. We have to push through this. We have a team, uh, we have a chance to have a good team and uh, do some special things, and we have to uh, get back at it this week. All right, next on the docket, how about this, man? Auburn goes on the road and beats Arkansas 38-23. to And I said this on Twitter, and people were kind of mocking me a little bit, but I think, I'm not saying he's coach of the year, but we got to give Brian Harson, I think, consideration now. Went on the road, led Auburn to wins in Fayetteville, and Baton Rouge. I mean, it's been, what, 20-some-odd years since that's happened. So, Auburn Tigers 
continue to say it, man. They are the most difficult team for me to put my finger on. And, hey, I think I figured it out for the listeners. If I say Auburn's going to win the game, bet on them to lose. If I say they're going to lose, you better put that buddy on the Tigers to win because that's basically what happens each and every week. And Bo Nix and that vertical passing game, hey, what did I say? Auburn does not have the weapons to attack Arkansas like Ole Miss did. Well, they proved me wrong yet again because D-Rob came up with some big plays. Johnson scored a big touchdown. And, you know, credit Mike Bobo, man, because the ground game was not totally effective like we've seen from Auburn in the past. Kind of saw that coming when I I had Tank Bigsby as my under on the uh, prize pick selections. That did pay off. But Auburn won this game due in large part to Bo Nix in this passing attack, making critical plays on third down. The strip sack touchdown of K.J. Jefferson, that was the biggest play in the game, I thought. And then also, of course, when uh, Auburn made the stuff on fourth down, then they come right back, hit the Razorbacks over the top for a touchdown. That was all she wrote. That was the backbreaker there. Uh, On the flip side, K.J. Jefferson, you know, he continues to play pretty outstanding football. He certainly did everything he could to win this game. Traylon Burks, probably the best receiver in the SEC, if not the country. He continues to showcase that week in and week out. But for Arkansas, too many miscues, man, particularly on fourth and short. Had several of those could not convert. There was a two-point play, could not convert. Couldn't protect K.J. Jefferson on that strip sack fumble touchdown, obviously. You got to do better than that. And I know, hey, I'm right there with you. Uh, Arkansas got screwed on the fumble that should have been, that was called on the field, that, hell, all three CBS analysts said that's a fumble, but for whatever reason – Uh, The referees decided otherwise after reviewing the play. I I think they forward progress is what they called. I don't know, but that that was bullshit. I mean, that was a fumble. I don't think that defined the outcome of the game because, I mean, this was a very close contest, but that was in the first quarter. So you can't put it all on that. Uh, You know, these teams were battling back and forth. It was a heated thing. Heated contest late in the fourth quarter, but Auburn made the plays, man. You got to give them credit. Auburn has, uh, Arkansas has got to find the ways to close out these games. And here's two in a row where they couldn't close it out when they needed to the most. I know Jalen Catalone didn't play. I think that was huge. I think that was played a big part why Auburn was able to kind of hit them over the top because Arkansas, the program where it's at right now, you got plenty of good players but you just simply cannot take an All-American out of the lineup and expect uh, there not to be a major drop-off because there's only one Jalen Catalan on that roster, and clearly without him in the lineup, it was it was a difference maker, I thought. Yeah, well, I think just hitting them, you know, that's – hey, again, nobody's, nobody's trying to put the ball on the ground. We know that. Um, a lot of it has to do with the teams that we play. They're good. And it was good to see our, our wide receivers, our passing game, have some explosive plays today. Uh, that helps us. It all goes back to the run game. When you're able to run the ball, I think you're able to have some of those plays like we did in the past game. But uh, guys have worked hard to, to balance or at least to have the opportunity to be balanced on the offensive side when you can. Uh, but we, we focused on the run game. We focused on protection. We focused on being able to hit some big plays uh, in this game. We were able to do that today. 
Brian, I want to ask you about Bo's throw to Demetrius. That's coming off of the fourth down stop. Just what sort of was going into that play call, and, and what did you see when the play was executed? Well, we, we had a big place. So we had some momentum. That's not always what we do, but felt like that was something that we had set up. Uh, we had seen we hadn't gotten to it, so it, you know, first play gives you a chance to do that. Uh, and I thought it was a great call by Coach Bobo. Um, they had seen you know, an opportunity for that route uh, to have a chance. And then what I didn't see, and I saw the end of it, and I'm going to assume that uh, D-Rob did a good job of just attacking the defense. You know, he attacked the DB. He was able to get by him. Bo got the ball up early. Uh, I was looking at protection. So we protected long enough to make that play uh, successful, and we hit it. And, and the hard part about that one, too, we're right in the sun. You know, we kind of took it to where we could have the sun in the fourth quarter in our favor, not in our face. <clears throat> and so he kind of threw it up right there. And, um, you know, Demetrius came down with it and it was, it was explosive play. Like those are ones that you want to hit and, and get a big shot like that and finish it in the end zone like we did. Uh, and then that really helped us with the momentum. You know, we just stopped. So we had it. We were able to hit a big play. So it was kind of back-to-back momentum um, changers for us. Yeah, well, it seems like your fans got frustrated with a lot of things that happened in the game. But I'm wondering, they went to the replay on the fumble that would have been down on the yeah. 15 or whatever. Did they tell you that the whistle had blown? But because no, replay, it was said that that uh, he they had picked the ball carrier up and and uh, that meant that the ball now was not going what couldn't be a fumble. You know, so I don't know. I mean. I don't know. Last week, I thought Rocket was stopped whenever whenever they pulled the ball out of there, but maybe not. I don't know. A couple other opportunities also on fourth down where you guys weren't able to convert. Yeah, you know, it seemed like we were around that 30-yard line a lot today, 30, 35, somewhere in there. As, you know, I tried one, missed it, and then uh, went for it on fourth and – wasn't much. Fourth and maybe less than a yard. Didn't make it. Went for it on fourth and four going the other direction. Uh, we didn't make it. Uh, just seemed like uh, everything I was calling or, or chance I was taking, you know, I'd try to kick it, didn't make it. Try to go for it, didn't make it. Uh, just seemed like it wasn't, wasn't going, going our way today and some of those. And uh, you know, they reviewed the one with Rocket, you know, the short one, and I guess fa- figured out that, you know, they is a chain length, you know, and no difference there. And then uh, we didn't pitch a ball on, on the fourth and four. Um, so, I don't know. How the team feels right now. I mean, you, you... I think we all feel like crap, you know. I mean, I think we all do. Uh, I think we got a beat-up team. To be honest with you, I think our team is beat up, and this this bye week can't get here fast enough. But I think we've got a physically beat up team, and they're trying and this, that, and other. But if you see, you know, plays that we were making earlier in the year, we're not making them, and sometimes we are, but most of the time we're not. I just think we've got a beat up football team. We need to get ready and and play for Pine Bluff this weekend and take that week off, and we need it. 
But I just I think physically, um, I mean, if you didn't think we just physically got whipped today, I mean, that's what we did on both sides of the football. And um, now that doesn't mean if they're better than you, you can't counter that with blitzes and some things of that nature and with play action and all that kind of stuff. But that's what we tried, and they were better than we were today. All right, next let's kick it on down to Starkville, where what was the big question all week? How will Alabama respond? Well, the defense showed up, kept picking off Will Rogers, too, right out the gate. And this thing was never in doubt because Bryce Young came ready to play, had four touchdowns, zero interceptions. This is the Bryce Young we've seen all season outside of the Texas A&M and late in the Florida game. I mean, very efficient on the road, taking care of business. They just befuddled Mississippi State. Mississippi State's always going to give up or get their receiving yards, I should say, but negative rushing yards. That's how you attack a team like this. If you're a, if you're Alabama against Mississippi State, you got to dominate them on the line of scrimmage. That's what took place in this game. And hey, this was the perfect response. You go on the road. I don't care who you're playing. And Mississippi State, remember, they were playing the best football. They have played all last time they, they took the field, the best they played all season. They beat Texas A&M, the team who just beat Alabama. You went on the road, beat them by 40. I mean, goodness. And this this was basically a laugher <laughs> by the second quarter. This was complete domination. If this is the Alabama we're getting, hell, who knows? A&M may have pissed off the wrong team here because uh, the Crimson Tide came to play on Saturday, and if you're Mike Leach, Mississippi State, you got to be wondering, is this what our team is? One week we're great, take a week off. Now we're, you know, back to being inconsistent as ever. I mean, this was, uh, you know, I, like I just said, they legitimately were playing the best football they played all season. This may have been the worst. Of course, the competition surely had something to do with that, but, man, we just can't have this. You're one of the best uh, – Coaches in college football, I know your roster's young, but, hell, we've been saying that for two years. They've been basically all the same guys for two years. I mean, uh, you cannot – we got to get more consistent performances out of this Mississippi State team. We cannot have what the highs and lows now in uh, two – you know, a year and a half of the Mike Leach system. We've got to get this thing figured out. Uh, again, maybe I'm reading too much into it because they, it is Alabama and there's not a single player, I don't think, on Mississippi State's roster – that Alabama would take over one of their guys. And it just is what it is. And Mississippi State's got a long way to go. But now we flip the script. How will Mississippi State respond? Was that just a one-game blip when they went into Kyle Field and beat the Aggies? It's kind of looking that way. But I don't know. Mississippi State, they've got a lot lot of season left to be played. But this was just – this was a major, major setback, I thought, after getting so, mo- so much momentum. I expected them to challenge Alabama – and it was anything but, whereas the Crimson Tide, I know they've lost, but here they are. They sit number four in the polls. They're right where they want to be. Everything right in front of them. And, uh, you know, you could not be happy if you're a Crimson Tide fan with Saturday's performance. What do you credit for the just the change in attitude, if you will? Um, ever get humbled? I think humility is a great thing for all of us to have. Uh, I think sometimes when you have success, it's human nature to sometimes think you don't have to continue to do things the right way to 
create the right habits. Um, you get sloppy. Uh, and then, you know, the redemption is not good, uh, which we learned last week. So um, these guys have a lot of pride. Um, there's a lot of culture, you know, in the program here uh, that our fans, our former players, people in the organization, people at the university expect us to compete at a certain level. You know, we call it the Bama standard. So uh, I thought we did that. We did it for 60 minutes. We didn't get relieved. We didn't relax in a game, uh, which is, this is really the first time all year that we really have done this the way we'd like to do it. You mentioned red zone. You had third and one at the one and you called timeout and then ran a very different formation play. Can you kind of walk us through what happened there? You just said, you just, you, you walked yourself through it. <laughs> we had a play called, we called timeout, and we changed the play. Did you see something you didn't like, or? <laughs> if you want to know the truth, I'm yeah. not going to tell you the truth. I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. So. Coach, yeah, it seemed at time there was some miscommunication between Will and some of the receivers where they would cut off routes and he would throw long and incomplete. What did you see there? Is that an option route situation? or No, it was, it was horrible communication, I would say, is what I, how I would evaluate what that was. I mean, it's, that's a nice way to put it, and I'm sure that if you, you know, wrote it that way in the article that they'd appreciate it, but that's, uh, I can't say that that's 100% factually correct. Um, no, I, I didn't think we communicated well on offense or defense. And the craziest thing was we haven't had a problem with that since, uh, um, you know, the very first part of the season in camp. And we didn't have it in uh, Kyle Field, which is one of the most demanding places communication-wise and noise-wise to play on earth. Uh, but we did today. We didn't communicate well on offense or defense, in my opinion. And you know, I mean, it's easy to say, well, Alabama's really good and they're a really good team and all those things are true. And, you know, and everybody, of course, uh, recruited those guys nationally and the rest. But, you know, I mean, my, my problem is we didn't play as well as we can. And, the, you know, that's where that's got to be solved. And that comes back to us on, as coaches. It, it does players, too. I mean, the notion it's just coaches, but it, it comes back on us as coaches because we have to find a way to reach them. But, you know, also, you know, uh, the player's got to be tough enough to be reached. And the fact of the matter is, is we put these guys on a pe on a pedestal and that thing got ratcheted up higher than, um, you know, than uh, we could execute against. We tried to do special things because, you know, we just thought they're too good. But the trouble is your best is always enough because that's all you got. And go and manufacture, you know, new methods, techniques, and all that because you're scared. Well, that's not a very good approach. All right, how about them Aggies, man? Going on the road to Columbia, took care of business 35-14. to 14. And again, much like uh, Alabama-Mississippi State, this thing was never a contest. Connor Basilak, man, the meltdown there continues. Uh, Texas A&M kept intercepting them. And this defense, my God, it gets worse each week. I mean, this is, uh, again, the run game. Over 300 yards given up. They had... Damn near 300 uh, rushing yards at halftime. And Spiller and A-Chain did whatever the hell they wanted. And this was not even one of the better games Zach Calzada has played, but it didn't even matter. I mean, he threw a bad interception, but more importantly, he threw a couple touchdowns, including uh, Anaya Smith, who, again, had him on the prize picks <laughs> with the over on the touchdown. So A&M went, took care of business. 
They look to be red hot after beating Alabama, now going on the road. Again, anytime you go on the road in the SEC, win by three or more touchdowns, that is one hell of a day. And Texas A&M really, without, uh, you know, without a couple of mistakes, they may have won this game by 50 points. I mean, this was never in doubt. I know uh, I was sitting here with Cousin Jonathan watching the game the whole time. He had money on it. By about the second quarter, he said, I'm good. <laughs> I don't have to watch this thing. The seven-point spread, it, it was never, never in doubt. And when you're talking a touchdown plus never in doubt, it just gives you an indication of uh, you know how this thing was on the field. And, and again, Zach Calzada, not even his best performance, but the defense showed up for the vast majority of the game. Basically, the only highlight from this was Missouri. Tyler Beatty had him another outstanding touchdown run, but beyond that, they basically shut him down the entire game. So this Texas A&M defense looks to be returning to form, and if they can get Zach Calzada to play up to his potential, which it seems like a huge if at this point because he's been so up and down, if they can get him to play up, they Texas A&M, I think, can beat anybody they face. So... Hey, I'm really looking forward to Ole Miss, Texas A&M. That's going to be one hell of a matchup here in the weeks to come. Not And hell, if LSU continues to improve, maybe play with some passion. Texas A&M, LSU, we've got us several games to look forward to with the Texas A&M Aggies. <laughs> Zach started on. How, how would you evaluate his overall? Still played really well. In the big drives of the game and picking up the third and 17 and then at the end of the game, I mean, still making some very critical plays. Is there a lot he can do better? Yes, and he's got to, and we'll talk about those things. <clears throat> but he's still making some really third down throws in the red zone early. He got those on those drives that we had to come back when it was 21-7 and 28-14. He had some big – he had a third down 17 play in there. He's still making a lot of plays. He's still progressing. I thought he played a solid game, but he could still, still a lot more he can do. Oh, I was happy about it. I mean, I was excited. I mean, we come out of the gate. We had energy. We had enthusiasm. We came. You could see it in the locker room. We really did. And but my disappointment is that we didn't maintain for that. And we got we got to go ahead and finish. And we had we had the holding call, and we got something else. And you know, those things happen, but they shouldn't happen. They don't have to happen. Kind of piggybacking off of that, what's your message to them after the game? You know, to kind of get back where you want them to be. Well, my my message was real simple. I was proud of the second half, the way they fought, and and how hard they played, but. Before we can win a championship, we can't beat ourselves. Um, we got a chance to get healthy through the bye week, to reevaluate who we are, and, and then determine what we want to do for the next five games. Um, we got five opportunities left to represent each other and represent this state, and and um, we really got to go back to work to improve, and uh, we'll do that starting on Tuesday. Yeah, it's part of the building process, 100%. This is part of the building process at Mizzou. Look, I, I realized maybe last year we, we probably overachieved, and so everybody assumed that those expectations would meet this year. It hadn't gone that way, you know, it just hadn't. But that's part of the process. And, and uh, again, I've said this before, I wish success was always linear. It's not. There's, there's fight, there's, there's wrestling, there's uh, good days and bad days, and that's what we're trying to do. You know, I'm trying to establish uh, a culture um, trying to recruit great players, and we can't skip steps. And I would have liked to, and I thought maybe we could have, and maybe I got the, the fan base too excited um, and, and thought maybe we could skip that step, but we can't. We can't skip a step. Um, and we're still fighting. Uh, you know, I thought 
I thought today, you know, the first quarter was unacceptable, but I thought the fight that our team showed was good. And that's what I tell recruits. Our team's fighting. Um, we got to continue to recruit at a high level. Um, and we got to get some, some, you know, continue to develop the players that we have and continue to reinforce them with new recruits. And, and there's plenty of opportunities for those guys that we're reinforcing. All right, last game on the docket here. South Carolina survives Vanderbilt 21-20. to And my goodness, this was, this was ugly. Both sides, <laughs> offense was uh, lacking to say the least. Luke Doty ended up injured in the game after – it was kind of convenient. He he's quote unquote injured. He threw a bunch of interceptions, got benched. So is he playing injured? Is he really injured? They're trying to save face. I don't know, but they needed Zeb Nolan to come back in, engineer a game winning touchdown drive in the closing minutes. He delivered to give him the 21 20 win, but man, South Carolina's offense, huge, huge issue. I mean, some of these play calls are just abysmal. And you think after all the criticism, you know, you, you'd have your A stuff ready for Vanderbilt, who, quite frankly, is not a good football team. But it's the complete opposite. I mean, they made Vanderbilt look good at times on on both sides of the ball. Mike Wright getting the start in place of uh, Ken Seals. And he was inconsistent, but he had his moments even in this matchup. You feel bad for Clark Lee and company. They... They had one here down to the last minute here on the road. This would have been a statement win as the uh, Vanderbilt Commodores continue to search for their first SEC win. But credit uh, the South Carolina, at least the, the front. I mean, they, they were dominant in this game for much of it. They were clearly difference makers in this one. But it ain't going to matter much if the uh, the offense does not get any more creative than this. This may be the final game South Carolina wins the way they're playing right now. Whereas Vanderbilt, at least they're fighting. It just seems like a team that uh, just doesn't have the talent to compete. But I hate to say it, man, because after Shane Beamer's so much hype, and I'm, I'm not sitting here necessarily calling him out. It's more the play calling and the offensive coordinator, but... I wonder what would happen if you changed coaching staffs and and you gave Vanderbilt staff this South Carolina roster and, and vice versa because this was uh, – I know neither one of these teams is anywhere close to competing for SEC East division title, but, I mean, Vanderbilt and South Carolina are on two different playing fields when it comes to overall talent, yet it did not show on Saturday. This is a huge red flag. Now, to Shane Beamer and South Carolina's credit, they continue to find ways. It doesn't really matter how you win as long as you are winning as you're continuing to build this thing up. There's a hell of a lot of programs that would, that would you know, trade records with you right now. I know the ECU game was ugly. This game was ugly. But, hey, you're getting those W's when it matters. And at least for the time being, I mean, that's going to that's gonna keep the fans happy. But... You are one or two plays away in these games from losing, having some very ugly and embarrassing losses on your schedule. So things have got to turn around in a hurry. And this may be, again, like I said, this may be your final win on the schedule, given up uh, considering who you got left on the schedule here. But all right, so that's going to do it. And again, kind of a quicker recap here, just like Cousin Shane on the road this week having to play catch up on all these games. So I did my best 
to, to give you a synopsis of, of what I was able to take away, but we're going to have to go back to the tape and study up all these games. Uh, but, hey, I really do appreciate everyone hanging with us as uh, we the show hit the road this week. And, man, we got a coaching change, so we're going to have a lot going on with that. And this week in the SEC, I'm going to try to reach out to some guests, try to get that going. Uh, man, this is going to be a great weekend, a great week for the show. Hey, that's going to do it on this episode. I'll catch you on the next one.